Hi Victor, welcome to the Confidence Mastery podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I think you're my first American. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> High five. <laughs> there we go. I love it. <laughs> um, I absolutely love the work that you do, but I would really like for you to just give a little introduction to the listeners um, of yourself and who you are before we jump into things, because I know that people are going to absolutely love what we have to talk about today. Yeah, I've been a I've been a chiropractor now for twelve years, um, so I, I didn't get into coaching until later on. But it's one of those things where, um, as I was going through chiropractic school, I also wanted to learn the depths of healing. So outside of school, I also studied like Reiki. I became a Reiki master and trainer. I studied about ten to twelve different energy modalities to really, really grasp this thing we call healing. Um, and so I did, I'd done that work for, like I said, for the last 12 years. And then I got into the coaching realm about four years ago. Um, kind of just something that of all the advice that's out there, it kinda, I followed it and it got me successful, but there was a cost to a lot of it, you know, my health, uh, relationships, things like that. And I was like, there's got to be a different way. And based on what I learned in energy healing and what I know about neuroscience and stuff like that, I was like, there's, I'm going to start trying to apply these principles because I can choose my success. I can choose what that is. And yeah, it may not be exactly what I think it should be, but it, I know I can get somewhere close to that. And I started doing that. And I was working less and all these other things. And so um, four years ago, a little over four years ago, I started doing coaching. And the last year... Um, in 2022, I started um, where I didn't practice chiropractic anymore, and I went full time into business coaching and so forth. What was the the, the thing that made you go like that? I definitely need to be coaching, and the, the the reason why behind it. I saw the biggest problem with entrepreneurs and business owners is that. Um, we're taught to grind and hustle. We're taught to sacrifice. Like you have to make sacrifices in life in order to be successful. Some people will make an argument and say you have to. And I, I, I used to think that way until I started applying to other principles. Um, and when I kept seeing the same advice being told in multiple platforms, it's not just business advice. It's in the self-help world. It's in the personal development world. Motivational speakers talk about this stuff a lot. I was like, this is a construct that is not healthy and it's actually limiting us because mm -hmm. if you study billionaires and I studied a lot of them, they don't do that. They live, they live total opposite. Not all of them do, but majority yeah. of them, I think, I think based on my research, majority of all uh, business billionaires live in the quantum world, but not all of them may know that. And they do things totally opposite. They do things more on focus. They do things more from that level uh, of what I teach. And I'm like, so they're, but they'll come out and say, it was the grind. It was the hustle that got me there. And this is what did it. And I'm always just like, no, look at how you're living your life. You, you never, that didn't follow suit. You had a vision, you stuck to it. So when I saw that being a huge issue and I, I, I knew a lot of entrepreneurs and I saw how burned out they were unfulfilled. And a lot of times we're going to, you know, they're, they're trying to, um, they want to have that freedom, but yet not a lot of them have it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when I went, I, I was one of those people I had, I was making great money. I had a great influence in the community. I was really promoting chiropractic, but I didn't have the freedom. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fulfilled. And I said, I don't care about how much money I make. What I care more about is the fulfillment of my life. 
what does it mean to me? And when I started to go down that route, that's when I was like, this is what entrepreneurs need to need to hear. And I'm, I go, I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to attract all of them, but I, I don't care if it's a small group, whatever it is. I really don't care about that. All I care about is making that change. And that's when I felt compelled to getting to the coaching realm of it all. And it, and, and that's what moved me that way. Yeah, that's very similar. That's why I was so drawn to you because I feel so, so similar about that. Hustle, grind, don't sleep. And then it it affects the way your brain works. If you know, sleep's so important. We teach health, wealth, and happiness because you need a balanced life. You need yep. to have the things that make you healthy and that you enjoy. Otherwise, what's the point in life, right? One hundred percent. And that's the that's the thing. Like even from and what's interesting too is I come from <clears throat> excuse me the chiropractic world and the health world, and then I'm in the mindset world and the coaching world, and it's like I know the effects of what it does to your health on all levels. And when we're, when you don't have your health, you, 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 you have nothing, right? Health is the first of all liberties. And um, it's one of those aspects where we think about in, in, when we look at, you know, most entrepreneurs, most business owners, 60% of uh, the leadership based on Forbes uh, magazine are burnt out. They're exhausted. That burnout leads to so many other things in their life burning out of their relationship, burning out their health, burning out other factors that they are totally um, unaware of in every shape and form. So it affects every fabric of your life. And that's why it's so critical to have that harmony and so much more. Yeah. So talk to us about the the quantum world and how that makes life so much better for us. Um, so the quantum world, you know, what it is, is <clears throat> it's the invisible world we can't see. Right. Quantum physics came out, quantum mechanics, and they they shown that if I take you back to chemistry class, you had the atom with the electrons around it, you know, the nucleus with the, with the protons and the neutrons. And then you go deep in there and there's these subatomic particles. And then they kept going deeper and they're like, there's just this mass amount of space. And but there's something to it. And so they started calling that energy. And so or they don't call it energy. They call it quanta, quanta, but it is energy in a sense. And what they found out through the work is that. It's the energy imprint of whatever that's vibrating at that gives us its physical properties, that gives us the physical characteristics in the physical world. Because everything in the physical world is tied to the quantum world. All comes from non. This is spiritual. This is old, <clears throat> ancient truths. Everything comes from the uh, from the non-physical to the physical. Yeah, they said this for thousands and thousands of years, and yet. Well, quantum physics said, hi, you know what? You guys are right. 5,000, 7,000 years ago, you guys somehow knew this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of the things that all things come from there. So when we look at something like lead and gold, right? You look at it and go, no, that's gold and that's lead. Yep, those are two separate things. Well, why is it? Well, because of the molecular structure and this is how they align, the molecules align that way and so forth. But well, why do they align that way? Well, it's just how the bonds go that way. No, 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 there's something deeper, right? It's the energy imprint that gives us the representation of what's going to show up like that. And for the listeners, if you're kind of going, what is this guy talking about? There's something you can watch on YouTube called Cymatics, which is C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. And basically what they do, and they're they're proving this. There's other studies I can share that show and prove this too. But what they do is they have a a vibrating plate and they throw sand particles on there. And they change the frequency of the vibration every time. And you'll see the sand particles come into a different representation. Mm -hmm. And they change it again and it changes its vibration to another state. 
They've done studies with this with water and the frequencies of a thought, how it or putting an emotion, sending it to it, how it changes the molecular structure. Yeah. Um, and so this is the quantum realm. So what does this mean for us in life? Well, if you want to talk business, you know, a successful person versus a non-successful person has nothing to do with what they're doing. Too many times we think it's that, right? Look at a successful relationship. Well, it's what they do that makes them successful in that relationship versus those who don't. It has nothing to do with doing. I'm not saying that actions aren't important, but it's like 10% maybe of what really matters. And the reason why is if you ever have have somebody, I know I've gone through this experience, it's drive me nuts and drove me crazy. If I, I would do something the exact same way someone else does. I mean, literally to the T with the verbiage, the words, you name it, tone, everything. I, I, I mastered them, right? They get amazing results and I'm, I'm barely getting any. Mm. Why is that? Or you have two people to do the same things, right? So it's the energy where they're coming from. Well, what's the energy? What determines their energy then? And that's going to be where their mind is and where their vibe is. Vibe is your thoughts, emotions, what you focus on, um, your vision of life and so forth. And so when you when you take it from that context then and you really get honed in on that, then all of a sudden, whatever you do for action is going to be successful. And we all know somebody who no matter what they do, they can invest in something and it blows up when they invest. They, they're just very good with money or some people who have um, relationships come easy to them or, you know, whatever. There's so many examples. Like the Midas touch. Yeah, the Midas touch, right? Um, or they play a sport and they're just phenomenal at sports. And it's just like, how do they do that? It's the energy where they're coming from. Yeah, there's some things with sports. You can talk about physicality and things like that. But um, but there's still the mindset side because mm-hmm. the mindset is what determines great from good to great. You know, this, this this separates the Michael Jordans in basketball versus the rest of the players. Or, it, you know, if you look at football, American football or even soccer, right? Uh, I'm a big fan of Lionel Messi and so forth. I think he's the the greatest of all time soccer player. And you, but to, to have someone like him at that caliber, it's an energy. It's a mindset thing. It's not about the skill and set. And I learned that early on with Michael Jordan. I'm originally from Chicago. This is why I'm a big fan. Of, oh, not just because of that, but. <laughs> but if you but if you look at Michael Jordan, here's a prime example for people why mindset, quantum energy, all this matters. Michael Jordan wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the tallest, he wasn't the quickest, he was none of those things. But yet, he is one of, the, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player, basketball player of all time. He had a mindset that mm. he was going to challenge himself to thrive every step of the way. He wanted to challenge himself to be the best that he possibly can against the best. To, to train and work as best as you possibly can. That was his mindset. Due to having that mindset, that's like sharp, sharpening a knife, right? You're always keeping the knife sharp. And over time, you're going to sharp, get it better and better to where whatever you need to do with that knife, um, cooking-wise, that is. Uh, you can go <laughs> ahead or hunting, if you want to say hunting. Uh, animals, that is, you know. Uh, but anywho, it, it, you're going to always have it ready to go on its A game showing up being the best version that you possibly can. And so the energy of where you come from, it's going to determine the success and what it is rather than doing and hoping. It's it's actually you know, having that set vibe and then you'll be inspired to take actions that are aligned with everything that creates your reality, that yeah. success of what you want. It's like having that and making that decision that you're going to be a success at that thing and stepping into that person who you'll be when that happens, but it hasn't happened yet. Like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, this is what I teach a lot of my clients. You have to step into that future self and see your, like, 
When I say you got to define success and what it means to you, you have to define what success means to you in the essence of who that person is a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. What do they look like? How do they act? What are they saying? How do they think? How do they react to things? What's the pressing thoughts in their mind? What are they focusing on? Our mind is a time, it can time travel. You know, our bodies may not, but our mind can. And so, and some people look at me and go, no, your mind can't travel. And I'm like, yeah, it can go think of something in your past right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you just, you just literally went to the past. I want you to think of something you have to do tomorrow. Okay. Now you just went to the future. So we can travel and throughout, throughout time with our mind. And so by doing that, we can create whatever this future self is. We get to create this, this program, this code, this, this, this story, this, this character in, in, in a movie, you get to literally create that. And then the key components of it is you got to get the feeling to you got to get excited about who that person is, because that's you in a future self. Get excited about, you know, get get joy, bliss, bring some emotions into it about who that person is and who that person you're becoming. And then the key thing is, is to bring it back into the present and act like you're that person now. Mm -hmm. That's the secret, because if you can hone in on that vibration, your success and what you want to achieve happens even, I wouldn't say a snap of a finger because we live in a physical reality. Things take time, but it can happen so much faster when you do that. I mean, yes. quantum leaps and beyond. It's, it's amazing when you step into that place, what can happen for you? Um, you just have to let go of the wheel and kind of just say, I'm leaving the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to let you direct this. Um, here's the only thing I can control is my vibration. And once I, I keep honing in on that, here's what I'm trying to show you I want. And the universe will always, always give you more than what you could ever imagine. I found that for myself a lot. I used to, honest, I used to think this stuff was absolute nonsense, bullshit. <laughs> You're not alone in that department, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and then, like, the more I started delving into it and thinking about it and then thinking, okay, well, who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I want to happen? And raising my vibration from that level, certain things started to happen for me. And then that compound effect kicked in and the, and the snowball that happened from it has been phenomenal. And I'm still nowhere near yet to be where I'm going to be, but I've, I've embodied that future self already. So I feel like that quantum leap is, has happened, is happening all at the same time. What's been something for you that's, that's been, I suppose, a, a real point in your history that's been like a quantum leap for you? You know, in my, I remember in my chiropractic office, I was, um, um, I was, I was year three in, and this is when I was like, just getting, I was starting to do some work on limiting beliefs. Cause I started to be like, you know, I, what happened was I was making money, but I wasn't making money. It was weird. I was, I grew like four X or give or take from when I first year to then. And I'm like, why is my bank account not reflecting this? It was really frustrating to see that. Because I really thought when I was making this kind of money, I would have like, you know, at least five to 8,000 disposable income on the side. And it wasn't happening. And I'm going, all right, there's got to be a belief. There's got to be some limiting belief that's allowing all this to exist. And so because limiting belief can hold your energy down, it can hold your vibe down. Because again, it's part of the mindset, mindset side of things. So I started to tap into that. And I found that I had a ton of these things. And I was working through them. And instantaneously from that year, I'll never forget, it was, it was 2014. I just was happening to move into a new office, which was 3,000 square feet. Very excited about that. Probably a little more ambitious than I thought, especially when your accountant looks at you 
you have a meeting and you're like, Hey, I got this new space. This is what my rent's going to be. This is what it is. And she's looking at your numbers and she's like, Mm. Yeah, you should have talked to me beforehand. I would have never advised that. I was like, ah, I wish I can get out. I just signed the lease. And she's like, she goes, that's really high. And I was like, don't worry, we're going to double this year. And she's like, listen, I've seen your numbers. I, you're ambitious, but that doubling thing eventually slows down. Like you, you know, you're going to get to like a 10% growth. And I was just like, Mm-mm, we're doubling. Oh, it has to happen. I have no choice. <laughs> I'm going all in here. I have no, you know, but I, I was doing this limiting belief work. And what happened was from 2000, <laughs> In 2015 and then 2016. So 2015, we grew 89% in sales. In 2016, I grew 49%. So what ended up happening by doing this work quantum leap, how fast it was already happening, um, we 3X our, pro- our sales and I almost 6X my profits. Wow. The only difference was this time the bank account showed it. And I was just like, oh, this is what it is to make this kind of money. All right, I was <laughs> close to seven figures. I Everything was like, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Um, but it, what I had to do was let go. You see, I I I went all in on this office because the reason why is I had a 758 square foot office. I called it the dungeon. It was in a professional building. And I was like, you know, so I was like, I want some, a nice office. So when we we moved out, um, I was like, I'm going in. I found this space and I'm like, I'll take I'll take that and the back. I got a whole vision for everything. And so it was 3000 square feet. And, but I was, I knew that I had to, I had to grow that year. I had, I was forcing myself in a way, like I have to grow. Mm -hmm. So in the mindset of that, I didn't put pressure on myself. Like I just knew that I was going to grow. I just knew I was going to double the office. I didn't know how I didn't know. I didn't do anything. Even when I, people, I share the story. I didn't even change any of my practices around. I didn't do new marketing or Facebook. I didn't do nothing. I just kept the way I did things. The only difference was I worked on my limiting beliefs. And I just shifted my focus on who's that chiropractor I want to become? Who's that seven-figure chiropractor named Dr. Vic Manzo? How does he act? How does he be? What's the energy and the vibe I want to be in my office? And how do I want that to be? And that's all I honed in on. And every day when I walked into my office, I would walk through the office really quick for like a couple minutes. And that's what I would visualize, just seeing it happen, just seeing it happen. And I was just like, it's going to happen. I'm putting the energy out there. Don't know when, don't know why. I'm not, I'm, I know why, but I'm not like putting any attachment to timeframes. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to let it happen. And when I saw the growth in that first year, that first year I was in that new office, I was like, okay, this is pretty insane cool. amount of growth. It was great. And then here's, you know, the kicker for me was, was great. That was a lot of growth, but here was the fun part. The, this in 2016, I remember January hit and we hit six figures in the first month. And I look and I go, I remember getting, I looking at the end of my bank account and I told my accountant, I'm like, I never seen that much money ever. I, I made that in a year, a years ago. I was like, this is crazy. And uh, it was a little blimp. A lot of things came in all at once, yeah. but it still, I was just like, that's a six figure month. I can't believe this happened. And, um, but it, it was one of those things where when you let go of that kind of process, when you let go of those expectations and you just trust, I mean, man, quantum leaps can happen so much faster Mm -hmm. than you think. The reason why they don't happen for people is because we have a resistance or we think what success should be or how it should happen for me, rather than just saying, you know what, here's what I like to go, but uh, you know way better than me. You have, you can see a lot more than I can. So I'm leaving that up to you, but here's the feelings I want to have when it comes, when it, when that happens. I want to, I want to come back to having the confidence and success in a moment. I just want to quickly ask you, did you go back to your accountant and say, I told you so? <laughs> I, I'm not that type of person, but you know, what I did is I just smirked at her when I, when, cause I remember it was at the end of the year and I looked and I said, how's this look? And she goes, wow, I'm very impressed. And I just said, she goes, what, what does that mean tax wise? She goes, well, we didn't prepare for this much growth. I was like, dang it. 
She's like, you know, it's going to happen. I was like, I already know. Just, just tell me in April. I'm not going to take care of it till then. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things. And, and then when I told her, I'm going to try and do it again next year. She just looked like I was crazy, but we were, it was interesting because the first six months of that second year, we were on path to double just about, but then things kind of leaned up towards the end of the year where it kind of held me back a little. And I was just like, I go, I'll take a, I'll take a, she goes, she looked at the number. She's like, well, you grew 49%. I was like, yeah, but look at those profits. I was like, that was like, that was like four like X right there or something like that. I'm like, I killed it in the profit department. She goes, yeah, we didn't plan for you to make that much profit either. So that's going to be another tax. But I was like, dang it. I'm like, come on. I'm like, I'm all excited <laughs> about this growth. And then you see the big tax bill and you're like, well, you know, I, we, we did a lot to cut corners here and we did, we deduct a lot of things, but I was like, yeah, she goes, we just, you know, it is what it is. So that's fine. We, we have the money in the account. Business expenses, you know, masterminds, retreats, mentors, travel. Oh yeah. We were doing, we were doing a lot of that stuff. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what can I get into next? Just to, you know, learn things new and write this off. What can I do here? I looked at my wife. I'm like, what kind of car do you want to have? She's like, why? I go, we need at least this much money to write off per month. I go, what, what, what do you want to have? She's like, what's the limit? I said, there is no limit. What do you want to have? I'm like, don't go thinking big, big. I'm like, just, you know, here's your range or where I like to keep it at just so yeah. that, you know. Um, and so, yeah, we were looking at, you know, different write-offs and so forth just to, to cut corners as much. I was even, there were so many techniques we're trying to learn um, in the process, but that was that, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun when it happens, when you let it, it go is. and just trust that process. I love that. So when you're talking about limiting beliefs, this is something that comes up a lot with me and my work and, and the podcast. And I know how I've told people and helped people to switch it around. What are your tips on changing and shifting a limiting belief to a positive one? So the first thing we have to do is become aware, right? We yeah. Awareness is everything. That's, you know, 50 to 90% of the problem is going to be that. And so we have to, and so people say, well, how do you become aware? Well, you're going to have to do a little work. You got to see the patterns in your life, what's showing up. This is always why it's great to have a coach because the coach will see the patterns very quickly. But it's one of the things where, let's say in a relationship, these are the easiest to grasp because you know we call it, we call it baggage. This is where that term came from, at least from my knowledge. Um, and so you look at your relationships and you, go, you have this horrible relationship. You get out of it. You hop in another one. You didn't do any healing. And so you go to this next one and you're like, man, this person is like the same person like I had the, t- the person before. And you go to another relationship, it's a different person, but you have the same experience, right? Same issues are showing up, same stuff. Eventually, you're going to have to wake up wake up to the process and become aware because the, the universe is trying to show you, hey, you got you, until you change this, we're going to keep seeing the same thing. There's a saying that says you can have all the new experiences in the world, but it'll be the same experience without a new mind. And so once we grasp the pattern, then we can understand what's going on there. And then changing a limiting belief, as you know, it's, it's simple, right? It's literally just saying, I'm letting go of this. And this is my new belief of my world and what I experience. Like mm-hmm. all relationships are amazing or whatever that belief you want to have, or it's money or it's business, whatever that's going to be. That's the simplicity of changing a relation, uh, relationship, uh, um, a, belief system, a belief, but it's not easy. And the reason why I say this a lot to my clients and to people is because even though you make the change, even though you write down the new empowering belief that you want to have for yourself, your neurology and your body stuck in the past. Mm. So it, you have to work through the conditioning. Your neurons don't just switch from, you know, limiting to this empowering belief. It, nothing in the brain works that way. Nature doesn't work the way. The universe doesn't work that way. 
it has to go through a process of changing the energy. Like the the you know energy is never you know created or destroyed; it just changes form, right? The law of trans law of transformation of perpetual energy means energy is always changing from one form to the next. So, what does that all mean? You got to take the old you, the old brain you, and you got to slowly condition it into the new you, the new belief, the new X Y Z. Is how we develop habits. Is how we develop everything in our life. And so, what I work with clients is is when you when we come become aware of a limiting belief, a pattern that keeps showing up in our life, then we define what that limiting belief is. We get to the story, get to the root of it. it sometimes we don't have to. I have some clients that are very strong-minded where I could just be like, let's just change that. You've you got a strong mind. Let's just go this way. And they do, and it all works out. Yeah. Some other clients of mine, I have to, we have to get do some work. Where did that show up in your life? When did you first learn about this? Where where what memory, what picture, what something pops in your mind when you think of this? And then we get to root the root is because some people need to go back to that old self, that inner child. This is a little more inner child work. Yeah. And we have to become aware of who said that. Was it mom, dad, friend, family? What was that brother, sister? What was that experience there? Let it go, right? It served you for a purpose. Let that go. And let's now create the new. But the system I teach a lot of my clients, and this is nothing new. It's nothing fancy, but it works. And that's really what I care about is you can take like a rubber band or like an elastic bracelet. And you, your, your brain picks up on, you know, it remember, it remembers things based on either pleasure or pain. Yep, exactly. And so you can use pain, snapping a rubber band on your wrist every time that feeling, and it's a feeling. So what I teach my clients is you can't think, you can think this stuff, but it's going to be a lot more work on you. Instead, just feel it because you'll know, yeah. that'll give you an accurate, that you'll know exactly when it's showing up. And then all you do is you snap the rubber band or the bracelet, or you switch it to the other side, whichever works better for you. And when you do that, give thanks to that limiting belief. It served you for a purpose to survive. Very grateful. It was needed to be there. You created it for a reason and you gave power to it. But now you know that you're older, you're a little more wiser. You don't need that anymore. It's let it go. Give it away to God, universe, whatever you want to do. It's like a, it's a state of gratitude of being appreciated for it. And then you say, well, here's my new empowering belief. You can visualize it. You can, there's so many things you can do afterwards. Some people just like do it as an affirmation. Some people like to visualize it, whatever works for you. Um, because there's so many, there's so many ways you can do this, but then you just constantly keep doing that. And I always tell my clients, be patient first month. You're not going to be happy. The second month, you'll start to feel like you're getting a groove by the third month. You're going to be like, wow, I haven't really done this in maybe a few days. This is nice. Mm -hmm. And you've started to build that pattern in the brain of that new belief. And then the way you know it's all working properly, because the universe, God, whatever you like to call it, it's always giving us a feedback. It's showing up in your life. Just like it did for me when I started working on the limiting beliefs with money. I had yeah. nine out of 10 when I looked at a list, right? And I started doing all the stuff that I'm just sharing right now. Each one, I took one at a time, just took one at a time. I really felt what it felt like. I knew the feeling. I kept retraining my brain on this. And then all of a sudden, months just kept getting bigger. I mean, especially when you make like, certain amount of money. And I had like a $12,000, $15,000 jump the next month. And then it kept it kept growing consistently from that. I'm sitting there going, how the heck did we, this is crazy. Uh, and listen to the words I'm using, right? Because I can't believe it's happening. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where when you remove it, it allows to break that glass ceiling that we have and allows you to go and expand and evolve more to and experience more of what it is that you're choosing. Yeah. And then that gives you the confidence to go off and do even more things. So where would you find your confidence? Like, obviously, you've worked on your limiting beliefs. You started the Mindful Experiment podcast, which is amazing. 
um, what ge- what gives you your confidence to, to be able to do these things and help the people in this way? You know, the first thing is my mom always told me when I was a kid, if you put your mind to it, anything, you, you can make anything happen. Right. And so I always thought that was true. And then I came out of business and, and I was like, well, I'm going to make a, a seven figure business in three years. It didn't happen. Um, I was like, man, but my mom said, if I put my mind to it, anything's possible. I go, if I can do this, anything's possible. And there came a point I had to start. There was a point in my life where I look back and I was like, when was, when was I ever in moments where all the odds were against me in some way, shape or form? And I, 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 I thrived through it. <clears throat> you know, it might've been sports, right? You play with football. Play, we used to play tackle football a lot as a kid, uh, American football, that is. And it was one of those things where I always, there was, we would play two on two. And it'd be like the two best players go, they, they choose each other. And then there's me. And then I have somebody who's mm, not the greatest, right? And I remember those moments because I never lost. We always won. How is it that, you know, if you look at, if we had like a stat sheet and you looked at the, you know, our, all our, our stats of how good we are and stuff, we would have been blown out of the water every time. <clears throat> but yet we won. I started thinking about that in sports and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, there's just something about me. I don't know what it is that when I get to the certain state, I can, I'll, 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 I'll break the odds regardless what shows up. And this took work because my mind wasn't used to that. And I had to learn that I do know one thing about me is that I'll make it happen one way or another. I've always have, I've had people doubt me before. Maybe I had a lot of people where you nowadays they call haters. I don't know, you know, but I had people who thought I would, they doubted me and I proved them wrong. And, you know, they said back then that I, I cared about this back then, like revenge is the success is the greatest, um, the greatest, the greatest uh, form of revenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Form of revenge. Right. And so that motivated me for a little bit. But then I realized if I don't have anyone to, you know, to do that with or show that to then what's the purpose? Right. So I'm only feeding my ego. And so I learned over time. But it, it came a point where throughout my business, this is where the confidence got stronger. Right. I was able to, you know, the growth I had, I 11, almost 11x my business in five years, right? From the moment, I, from that first year, it wasn't really a first year, but from that number I had to there, it was about 11x. And I took a 40% on purpose in my business because I wanted to challenge myself to choose what I really wanted. Am I worthy of having the practice I want to have? Am I worthy going pediatrics? Am I worthy of cutting my hours down to three days a week, 14 and a half hours? Am I worthy of choosing that success? And then it became successful. When I took a hit in COVID for when they had lockdowns in Chicago, we had a 40% hit. That was another test for me to say, are you worthy? Are you mm-hmm. confident you can bounce through this? My yeah. wife even looked at me and goes, you seem too calm about this. You usually get bothered by these things. I said, we'll be fine. This is all going to work out. I go, we have a strategy. We have a system. We have a great one for patients. People are just scared. Like, yeah. it's going to be fine. Three months later, we broke records in our office. And we were already 11 years in the business. And we were breaking records then. So seeing those things, then I challenged myself again. I took an 80% financial hit because when I left my chiropractic business, I didn't sell it. We, we were trying to sell it. The climate with COVID in Illinois, just chiropractors were leaving that state. They weren't going to it. So it was very hard to sell the office. My wife and I had to make a choice. Either we go ahead and um, stay here, start a family in Chicago, which we knew we would never leave, or move and leave to a state that we wanted to go to, which was Tennessee, and get closer to the mountains, more nature, slower living, slower life in that way. Mm-hmm. And we're like, forget it. Money's just money. It'll always come back to us. Yeah. You know, it's, there's ebbs and flows of it always. So what do we do? We trust ourselves that we will persevere through that. You know, and last year with the coaching business I had with the small amount of clients that I had on a, as a side hustle in the last year, I 6X'd it. 
I'm on pace right now to 10x my business this year. And it's just one of those things where it's, it's, if I didn't have those, and don't get me wrong, it, it makes it sound awesome. I could tell you all the, the horrible stories, the mental, the darkness that I've gone through and what people don't know about that I've went through in that journey. Because when I see an 80% hit and I'm going, yeah. well, I'm thankful we had some investments and we got this to cover this and we got that. I'm like, okay, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through this. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, it's but, the dark bits that make you stronger. It does. And and I can't tell you how much I've grown in the last year. I thought I was like good at the growing. So I know I'm always going to continually grow, but there's been, this last year has been more, I had more time with myself and with having, a, I, I just have, I have a seven month old now and, and congratulations. Thank you so much. And that experience and what that's helping me grow as an individual, because yeah. it's bringing up a lot of my childhood stuff that I have to heal, which I thought I healed from, but nope, there's a lot more deeper stuff coming up. And it's just amazing that to go through all that now, it's like now I'm at the light at the end of the tunnel now. Now I'm finally yeah. through all of it. And But it's one of those things where if I didn't have those primitive experience, those previous experiences in my life to, to look back and go, one, everything always works out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. It's always going to work out for the greater good. I've never met anyone that has it. it, it, it no matter how dark something can be, they've. It, 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 I've interviewed like 60, 70 people who've had like, you know, sexual trauma or, or physical or emotional or verbal or physical, whatever, all those things. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the, the last question I always ask them is when you look back at what you went through as a child or all the things that you've gone through, would you say that was a blessing in your life? Now, I still haven't had a no. Like they all look back and go, it taught me something. Yeah. It taught me like some people is like, I gave my power away too much. I gave my power to the experience rather than the power to me. Mm-hmm. And so this is where we all have that story in us. We all have something that we overcame. It's all something that we strive in. And when you start to hone in on that, you start to realize how powerful you really are. Yeah. Because let's, let's be real, Natalie. There's, there's no technology out in the world that can, one, measure the power of a human being in itself. Number two, there's no technology in the world that can tell you what limits you have. What's the limit of what you can experience in your life? We don't, we, there is none. So you literally get the, the only limit you have, and this is a cliche, it's, but it's very true. The only limit you have is the limit you put on yourself. Yeah. And that's the thing that holds everyone back. Look, the question I always ask, what, what is holding you back right now? That me, 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 me. Well, then change it, please. You know, um, it, we do all have stories and trauma and things that are, well, some people haven't, some people have lived a blessed life. But things that we've gone through, like I was speaking with somebody earlier on today about I spent four years um, in Magaluf, which is where Brits go to get drunk, basically. And I lived the party life for that many years that I, I don't know how I'm alive. Like The gym saved my life. So would I change it? No. Yes, I did enjoy it, but it taught me so much about myself and my capabilities, what I could do more of if I could function like that. Do you imagine what I can function on, like going to the gym and lifting twice twice my body weight, which is what I do now. That's my drug of choice now is the gym. (laughs) And it's going to serve you so much longer too. I mean, because it's one of those things where that's how the gym saved me in high school. Because I I grew up, I, 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 even though it is looked at as physical abuse, I wouldn't call it that, but that's a whole different discussion. But I have, I I come from an Italian family, old school. So like 18 wooden spoons broken over me. It it happens. I remember there was a paddle that was sat on a, uh, on a, uh, my dad used to say, 
And it's like, you ever get, you know, my dad never laid a hand on me. My mom on the other hand, she's the Italian mother. So she's going to hold you to your ground regardless. <laughs> and uh, I remember the day it broke over my elbow one day and I was so excited. I was waiting for my dad, but he, my dad worked nights. So he didn't come home till like 11 and I waited up for him. And I said, dad, look, that paddle that you said can never break broke. And so anyhow, I just wanted to say that to him. I went to bed next morning. <laughs> there's duct tape on it. <laughs> and I'm like, dang it. Duct tape um, fixes everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like you, the gym, the gym helped me when I was a teenager because I had so much because of my emotional stuff that I went through as a kid and the verbal and the physical, there was a lot of suppressed stuff I had in me. And if it wasn't for the gym, I used to say, I take it out on the iron. Yeah. I, that was just a phrase I used to say, I'm, I'm taking this out on the iron. If I was mad at somebody, I go take it out on the iron. Uh, never been in a fight in my life. And, you know, like guys would go hit walls and break them. I'm like, why would you do that to the wall? Why would you mess up your hand and do that? I just never understood that because I conditioned myself to be like, no, I'm going to go bench. I'm going to go max out today and bench or I'm going to go squats. I never really did squats. I did sprints. Um, but it, now I love squats and I love working out. Yeah, legs. Squats but, are amazing. Oh, I love it. I, I can go out. Leg day is my favorite day. I do it twice a week. That's how much I love it. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where, you know, but looking at without the iron, I would have never, I, I don't know what, I, maybe drugs would have been there. I don't know. I never did any. But it was, you know, it, it's you, that's a whole nother story about outlets and whatnot. But um, yeah, I don't know who I'd be today if I, if I didn't have weights in some way, shape or form. I'm not exactly the same. Like I dread to think like where I'd be or if I'd be because, and I, and I see a lot of people who go through stuff and the gym exercise, whatever kind of form of exercise it is for them, it helps and it helps your brain to function so much better too. Like if you're not being healthy, you're not treat like the thing that I tell people is see exercise as a treat for your body and mind. I think we use really wrong language when it comes to treating yourself like cake and sweets and stuff like that. That's not a treat. That's actually like it's the same as alcohol and drugs. It's a poison. So when you see hitting the iron as a treat for your body and your mind you shift that perspective into a different a different level and then you you're you're capable of so much more i just find it absolutely fascinating the way the brain works just from like moving oh but you see your brain see what people don't realize this is my chiropractic side coming out but your brain is fed by movement right mm. and that's not just movement of the body the spine too the better the spine moves actually 67 percent of the food that feeds your brain to keep it young, active, healthy, and all that is the movement of the spine. That's why chiropractors, you know, people think of us as chiropractors as like back and neck and headache people. We're not, we're nothing of that. We're actually brain doctors helping increasing the performance of how the brain functions overall through utilize. I mean, you don't even have to use the spine. There's, I mean, well, we do use the spine, but, um, but you do it working on the spine to influence that in some way, shape, or form. And that's why we can get such drastic results. If you add that in now with the mix of exercising and movement, functional movement, right? Not just somebody say, well, I exercise, I run every day. Okay, running is only in one plane, right? Functional movement, right? We go side to side, front, back, rotational yeah. stuff. That's the brain. The brain feeds in that way. And that it's just, it's amazing to, when you do that, not only are you like, I always look at working out as a way of now my, my mentality on working out is, wow, I give my body a chance to challenge it, to stay mm -hmm. younger, to handle stress better, 
so it can physically keep me moving. Why do I like leg day so much? Well, one of the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't enjoy the workouts, especially like a Bulgarian leg day, I, Bulgarian like leg squats. <laughs> But they're the best workout, right? Or like doing spin split lunges or goblet split lunges or whatever. I'm like, man, I got this on today. I'm like, oh, I hate this workout. But I love it at the end because how much it works my legs and my glutes and all the good stuff that I need. But what I really enjoy and what makes me enjoy it so like mentally gets me through it to want to do it and continue to be focused on it is when I get older, I need that. Mm -hmm. I need my legs to function. I need my glutes to fire the way they're supposed to. So that way I can keep supporting myself as I age and as I grow, because, you know, the stats show that, you know, older we get, you know, more chances of balance issues and instability stuff and all the, all these other things. I don't want to have any of that. I want to stay as young as I possibly can. For, well, yeah, for, for as long, yeah, for as long, as long as you can. Why don't so many men not do leg day? I don't, it's not a, well, I don't know. Like I never did it in high school. I'll be one of I didn't do legs until I was, well, I did it in college a little bit, but I didn't get full into leg workouts until probably my late, mid to late, probably late, mid to late twenties. And what got me into it was the Spartan workout. That's when I started doing leg work, like deadlifts and all that yeah. other stuff. I just did sprints when I was in high school. Um, cause I love sprinting and I didn't like doing legs, but I, but it was funny cause we had like a competition my senior year in high school. And we had to do a deadlift, a squat, bench, and all these other things. And it was fascinating. The guys that did legs all the time, um, I barely lost to them. And I never did one of those workouts. Wow. But it, so I, because I, I guess I came from – my dad used to be a gymnast. And so he always used to say, use your, your body as your best way to move. If you can move your body around and control it, that is the best workout for you, which I agree with him on that. I don't have that body structure to do that. I'm a lot wider than him and taller than him. I was like, yeah, dad, no, that doesn't, you know, I could do pull-ups. That's fun. I could do that. Push-ups are easy, but to like hold my, suspend myself or do it. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to, there's just a lot of, there's just too much weight. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to try. Um, but it's one of those things where, yeah, I don't know. I did, it's, it's funny because even the rock will always talk about how he does leg days and how he, he makes sure he does it. Uh, I don't know if it's once or twice, but um, Do yeah, I don't know. Really, I don't have an answer to that one. No. Do you think he really works out five or six hours a day? Uh, you know, there's there's things about The Rock that maybe, I don't know. I don't know the guy. So I can't really comment on that. But I can't comment on one thing. When you look at his body and, you know, people say, oh, look, he works out. Look how much of a beast he is. I'm like, you know what he takes to get to that point? Exactly. You know, and, his, and the truth will come out eventually. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I am, so be it. But I know there's stuff he takes that synthetically, like C3 and stuff like that, that will help you shred and helps bulk the muscles up. Um, some rumors say he is on roids and he has to come. He has to come out with it. Um, who knows? But that's the only thing is, is like it's that false image in life. Right. Like the liver king. I don't know if you guys ever heard about yeah. that guy, but, you know, he finally I, when I saw his body, I was just like. The dude's totally on roids. How's anyone Definitely. not calling like, him out on it? You can tell hundred percent, can't you? How he was trying to say he was natty, I do not know. Yeah, and then when it came out, I was like, "Duh!" He had the he had the abdominal swelling that pushes up. I have that, but I don't take anything, and people <laughs> think I have it, but it's my spine the way it is. I had it in high school like that too. My stomach sticks out, and uh, because of my spine, because I have scoliosis. So kids in high school used to think I was on roids. Because they're like, how are you putting on like 26 pounds of mass in like two and a half, three months? I'm like, I have what I didn't know at the time. As I got older, you can see I don't have hair if you're watching the video. I started losing my hair at 19. And I was like, I don't get this. I have my mom's hair, which comes from my grandfather's side, because most of the time your hair is opposite sex going back. So okay. I was like, my grandfather started losing his hair until he was 45. 
So I'm like, how am I losing mine at 19? And then I was in biology class and that we were talking about the hair and so forth. And my teacher's like, there could be this, it could be that, or you overproduce testosterone. And I was, it was like light bulbs going off in my head. I go, that's why I put on muscles so quick. I'm like, now this makes <laughs> sense. Why? And it just all made sense. And I was just like, that's how I can put on so much weight so quick uh, back in my teenage years um, when I'm going into like heavy lifting and stuff like that. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to talk about now in terms of actually anything? I love talking about life, mindset, life, passion, vision. What do you want to create for yourself? Those are the conversations I love to indulge in. Um, I also love indulging though too, like the struggles we go through and how we overcome them. I don't think we talk a lot about that, especially in the men, in the men's world. We yeah. they don't talk much about struggles and, but most people aren't like that either. Like I was watching a video one time and this guy was talking about big alpha looking male. And he's like, you know, if you ever talk to a man and you tell him, Hey, how are you doing? He says, I'm all right. That guy ain't doing good. You know? And, and I thought about that for a second. I'm like, man, I know when I, I used to comment that way, I wasn't in a good mindset. I wasn't good at the moment, but um, I love just talking about anything with life because I think we don't do that enough. Yeah. Um, and I used to be made fun of when I was a kid because I used to like talk about deep stuff all the time and family be like, why do you want to talk about things so deep? You always want to go deep. I'm like, well, what else is there? I don't want to talk about football and sports and other people's life. I could care less about that yeah. because it doesn't serve me. Right. They're like, well, you watch it. Yeah. I like to watch it once in a time. It's entertainment. I like to see, you know, especially like when the, like a world cup or I didn't watch the Super Bowl this year, but um, when there's like those big games on, I like watching because athletes will go the extra mile sometimes. For those, yeah, definitely. For those moments. Right. And I love seeing that because that's, you didn't expect it. And then they did it. And it's just like, it reminds me then of myself, like if they can do it, so can I. Mm -hmm. And it makes me evaluate my life a little bit. But yeah, anything related to life, I love to talk about um, just because I think that's where the richness of life comes from and, and what we can we enjoy more of. Yeah. So you alluded a bit earlier to some challenges that you had growing up. What what were they and what helps you to overcome them other than the, the gym itself? You know, I grew up with a lot of emotional stuff. I mean, my my mom was very stressed out. You know, we have and my sister. She's four years older than me. She's deaf. She's our miracle child. She died twice when she was a preemie. Uh, she was born at 20, just barely after the lungs can breathe on their own. And back in 1979, they didn't have the technology like they do now when it comes to it. So what happens is, is if, you, if they give too much, if I remember this correctly, if they give too much oxygen, the person, can go, the, the, the child will go blind. If they give too less, they go deaf or it's the opposite of one or the other. So my sister, they didn't find out till later. She was deaf. It, it was like a, she was a, she wasn't responding to sound. So that was always a burden. My, they didn't have resources back then. They have this. They didn't have the support like they do nowadays. And so my parents, my mom comes from a very. She was very. She was abused as as a child. I mean, she's the oldest of four, and um, she just imagine coming home, having your father come home at night. You know, beats the heck. He's drunk, and he beats the heck out of your mom. And then who's next? And so it was always that chain of command. So my mom came from that background. And so a lot of eternal trauma. My mom couldn't be a kid. At 16, she was working for the restaurant in the business. And she had, it's not like she had a choice. The Italian culture is, this is what you have to do for the family. And that's the end of it. You have no choice. And so my mom really didn't have a chance to uh, really experience life and have that, that aspect of it. So 
when I became, when I, when I came into the picture, I was just a, a nutball kid all over the place. I had health issues. I was, I was undiagnosed ADHD, um, which I don't have it. I'm not, I don't have anything of it now, but it's one of those things where, um, but the stress, you know, my mom didn't know how to handle it. She wasn't taught it. Right. You know, so the things I go through, some people are like, well, you're, you know, parents could have been like this. I'm like, no, my parents did the best they could at where they are. I'm not making that an excuse, but I'm just saying I went. So like when I had a lot of emotional stuff going on, if I got like I I, I was very sensitive as a kid, not just uh, emotionally, but also energetically. Yeah, I picked up on energy. So like at night, I would I, I didn't like sleeping at night because I felt energies around me. I know what they are now. I didn't know what they were back then. So I was scared. So I didn't sleep well at night. My mom used to get frustrated with me. So when, and it's nothing against her, I was just testing her patience. And she didn't, she didn't, when she didn't have them on some nights, you know, she'd yell at me and whatnot and so forth. But there came points in my life where, you know, when I had these emotions, they didn't, they were just like, go in your room and go deal with it and figure it out. Right. And so here's a child who doesn't know one, I don't have a safety net. I can't depend. I have to depend on myself and figure things out. I had to look at my life, you know, at different times. Like I remember one time I was so frustrated. I didn't know why I was mad. And I didn't know how to verbally communicate this. And I remember I was like six, seven years old. I was like seven, eight years old. I was going to my grandparents' house. And it's like a hundred degrees in Chicago. The car had to be like 120. And I was just so I, I needed the heat. Actually, the heat calmed me. Like I was so upset, so frustrated. No, I wasn't being heard. Cause that's how that was kind of like my life. I just wasn't heard. Mm. And it's funny because this is what intrigued me about living beliefs and subconscious mind because as i got older you notice i'm using the words i never felt heard we think how the how you think that showed up in my relationships even if i had somebody who did hear me who yeah. did listen to me i felt like they weren't but they were because that's how much your subconscious mind can program you when it came to business and when there was a financial thing a shortcoming or whatever it would freak me out thinking that that's how it's always going to be now, some people say, well, how you, you, it's not going to always be that way. Well, I didn't understand that because, again, you have to understand what my past was. I didn't have that dependency to like fall upon emotionally or be able to have that support to have that nurturing, loving care. Um, and it's nothing. My parents are very loving. I have a great relationship with them now. Um, but it was I didn't have that. So when I'm older and I'm going through challenges, when I, I feel like it's all on me again, I can't depend. My wife has been a blessing to help me heal through that because she's like, no, how, she'll she'll be there for me emotionally. Because she'd be like, I wish I could help you. And I'm like, you know what? You just being here present and just saying that, you're helping me. I don't know how you can calm this. I have to figure that out. But you're here and you're present. So going through the emotional side of things and then having a dad who is a very big perfectionist, um, he, one thing I love about what my parents did for me is they showed me what I didn't want. And my dad was very verbal. Like he's not a tight He's not a guy who talks emotions. He's an Italian father. He's, you get Italian father shows up two ways. They're either totally absent in your life where they don't, they're just gone all the time, you know, or, or they're present, but they're not fully there. Yeah. My dad was the second type. The only time we had conversations is when I was going to help him with work and it wasn't like much. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. My dad was, you know, trying to make ends meet. He was trying to support the family. He was doing what he could. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he, he talks to me now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> like, oh, it's kind of cool. Like, a, you know, like a couple of years ago, we took on a project to flip a house. Um, I, I was buying this house potential for an investment. And I was like, well, I'm not doing this on my own. And my dad's like, he's he's 72 now, going to be 72. Um, he was 70, 69, going to be turning 70. And I was like, dad, come help me. You know how to do construction. I just, just come make it a little thing for you and I. And I was so happy I did that because 
the eight, it was an eight, it was in Tennessee. So we're driving eight hours to go down and back once a month to oh. work on this house. And what was cool is the stories we had. He was sharing stories I never heard. He was telling me things. And I was just like, man, this is the relationship I've always wanted to have, but it's here now. So I'm going to soak it in as much as I can. But, you know, growing up with a dad who's so perfectionist, you know, nothing I did was good enough. Nothing was because he'll pick point something that wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it there's a positive to that, but there's also a negative, right? What the positive is, is when you have a father like that, he's going to, you're going to be an overachiever. You're going to want to strive for being the best that you possibly can in anything you do, which is a great thing to have. The problem with that is, is you're never going to smell the roses. You always have to work to the next. You can do good at something. Like even in my chiropractic business, I didn't think I was that great, successful as a chiropractor. Now, in the beginning of my career, a lot of the business community was telling me how amazing I was. I didn't hear it. You didn't see it. My wife used to tell me how amazing I was. I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Just la- just three months ago, there was a report that came out looking at chiropractors and what they make. And what they make does not determine how good a chiropractor is. But when I'm looking at the health of my business and what I created, no one, I learned, I had, I self-taught myself. I hired people. I didn't like, have, I didn't grow up from that world, a world of financial abundance and business advice. And I didn't have that. And so what happened was, is this report comes out and it tells you what the, the average chiropractor makes in a business, what they collect, how much they make in profits at the end of the year. Here's the ranges of percentages. And I looked and I told my wife, I go, man, I can't believe this. She's like, what's that? I go, do you know that we ranked in the top 3% in chiropractors and all what they make in business and so forth? She's like, I tried telling you we were, we, you had a good office. I was like, <laughs> I just, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But you telling me doesn't mean anything. Why? Again, look at my history, right? And so I looked and I was just like, that's fascinating. I go, I can't believe we did that. And I'm like, that was you and I, hon. We created that. You know, I wasn't 1%. I wasn't the 0.1 or the, I, my perfectionist old mind would have said, oh, yeah, but we weren't 1%. Or we weren't that. But I've, I've learned to break out of that. And it's more just like, oh, okay, maybe I am. I am pretty good at what I'm doing. Maybe, maybe I do have a little something here, right? But that's that low self-worth that is always going to come up at me. It always gets me one way or another. Yeah. But I've, but again, it's always everything in our life. This is why I came up with the phrase that we are just, we're just children in big bodies. That's what adults are. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, that's what we are. Because if we don't heal something from, this is psychology 101. If you don't heal from something emotionally, you are stuck there and at that age until you do. Yeah. And so it's kind of fascinating, but yeah, it's kind of my upbringing and some of the stuff I've gone through, but uh, the emotional side of stuff, you know, um, I always joke around. I'm like, yeah, I may have 18 wooden spoons hit no beaten up, broken over me, but I'm like, I probably deserved for almost all of them. Cause I used to aggravate <laughs> the hell out of my mom. Um, now I don't agree with hitting or anything like that. Uh, that's totally not, that's, that's something I don't, uh, you know, I think there's other ways of handling things. Um, but at the same token though, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's where I'm at today. And, um, there's negatives to it, but there's, you know, there's other things with it that come yeah. with it. There's always never, it's never just one-sided. That's, that's basically what I want to say out of that. There's not going to be a wooden paddle up in your house. No, not <laughs> at all. My precious little angel. Now the way it's funny, cause we do gentle parroting in a way. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's different. Like it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my head. And I be like, I can see that you're upset, honey. So, you know, and I'm just like, you want me to say that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, this is so foreign than how I was raised. I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, so it's a challenge. So right now I can get away with things a little bit, you know, but as she gets older and she starts to get more verbal and she starts to express those emotions, 
The thing that inspires me though, is I'm going to see that little Vic in her. Mm. And I'm going to be like, I got you. I'm going to be there for you. Don't worry about it. You will not go through it. You will have that support. You will have that emotional, healthy support and system for you. And you have a, my wife's absolutely amazing with all this. And I'm like, and I'm going to do all that I can to give you all that I possibly can. You know, a lot of times you hear parents always say, I'm going to give my child everything that I didn't have. I think that's like one of the worst things to ever say. Don't give your child what you didn't have. In the essence of like, you know, material stuff. That's what yeah. I always think. Like they didn't have the upbringing. They couldn't play all the sports. They couldn't have the nice things. Forget all that. Give them things that you didn't have growing up that's going to help them be a stronger person to adapt to this world better. Emotional stability. Know how to heal and navigate their emotions and their neurology so that they can calm and center themselves when they need to. Accept that where they are, whatever they express is perfectly fine. You know, yeah. like being a male, most stereotypes, you can't cry. Being an Italian male, it's like heightened to a whole uh -oh, new level. Uh -oh. <laughs> right? And you know, you're in Europe, so you know how it goes. So it's it's one of those things where I wasn't like that. I was emotional. I cry, you know, and, and it was one of those things where, you know, I had to learn how to like stuff it in and, and not show it. And still to this day, like my wife's probably seen me, we've been together for over 10 years, maybe a handful, maybe two. She's seen some crying moments out of me. But she's like that, just you crying in front of me. That's, that's, she's like, wow, you're really, and like lately I've been opening up a little more about it when things show up or whatnot. And uh, she's like, I could just see you're, you're letting that go. I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, hey, it's okay to express all emotions. I know that. Yeah. But then there's the conditioning side, right? That we do. Yeah. So like, I know crying is a beautiful thing. I, I encourage it all the time because it's you cleansing, you're healing your soul. All your, they always say the soul's washing off the mud on you. <laughs> That's usually what crying is. Um, like but, it's, but at the same token, it's like, but there's still that conditional thing, right? And that's something that I work on day in and day out to try wow. to get better at every single day. We live in like such a different world to what our parents lived in, like technology and, and all of that and the way that, we talk about emotions and how it's okay to to talk about these things now. Do you, would you would you think it's easier to tap into the the quantum world now with this technology or without? Because if you, I just want to go back to this because you said obviously like five thousand like the Egyptians the and even have have you seen them? Okay, this is two questions. So I'll, I'm getting a bit excited here. <laughs> Have you seen Graham Graham Page? Is it Graham Page? His um he did a documentary on Netflix about the ancient apocalypse. I'm sure it was I have not. I'm, I'm gonna have to look that. I'm gonna have to look oh, that up. Look it up, right? So he he says that there were there was a human race before that was wiped out. Um and the way that everything changed, like how the the Egyptians lived, how they built the pyramids. There's um, there's like eight episodes, and I can't remember each individual one. And there's like these structures in the earth that could not possibly have been put together by anything other than looking at the stars. Like the way it, some things point like true north, like absolutely. Um, and then all of this kind of disappeared. And then we've got this new kind of human like where, where the gap what was the gap so they were so intuitive and tapped into energy and what we call the quantum world back then and now we've got all of this technology in the way how do we 
tap back into into that nature that we need to. The biggest That's is a very long yeah. way of me asking that question, but <laughs> there's a lot here, but I love it. No, I studied the Egyptians. I studied a lot of stuff of what they've done, how they built the pyramids, you know, what they actually used and all that stuff. And it's, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, here's what I always tell people. We're not the most advanced civilization right. today. We're not. They were way more advanced. Um, the Egyptians were the Atlantis, the, 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 the Mayans and what they, how they understood things. Yeah. You know, you look at the Incas, right? I always got fascinated because I love construction stuff. I, I just get fascinated how things are built. And when you look at the walls they made, they said that with the laser guided technology that we have today, we still can't replicate the beautiful lines on how they made the stones sit so beautifully against each other. It still stands today. Mm-hmm. We need grout and stuff to put things in or mortar to put things together. And yet they did it with nothing and okay. it's perfectly aligned. There's just something to that. So when we talk about how do we connect back to that kind of living that way, we have to connect back to ourselves. Our first, mm-hmm. That's the way they go because God's within us, right? We, you know, if you want to go biblical, we, we are made in the likeness and image of God. So what does that mean? Well, if you're made from cotton, but the cotton may be, a, let's say God's this massive cotton shirt, right? Well, you're this little cotton shirt down here, but you're made from the same stuff that makes you the same thing. Doesn't matter what color it is. Doesn't matter whatever. You're made from the same thing. So you have God tendencies in you. So tapping into that world, we can do it internally. And I think we're returning back to that because one of the things I, through my studies, when I started hearing about psychedelics years ago, not that I'm a big fan of them. I do talk about them. Um, I've done some, but it's one of those things where when I was studying ancient civilizations, I was like, why is it they all had something that helped them elevate their consciousness? Mm-hmm. They all did. The Egyptians did too. I just found this out three months ago. The Egyptians had something called the blue lotus flower yep. and they would make wine out of it. And then they would drink it and it would help elevate their consciousness to a level to see. Maybe that's what they used to help make all these alignments. Because when you look at like the Great Pyramid and you look at the Sphinx in front, you can put circles in there and it aligns like beautifully in so many ways. And there's sacred geometry built in. But they were way advanced in what they did. They used acoustics, supposedly. They knew how to use acoustics to levitate, levitate things. Um, we can do that. They've done it and they've done it now with studies where they yeah. we can levitate a ping pong ball, we can levitate different, which is sound waves hitting it the at frequencies, certain frequencies. Yeah, yeah. They were tapped in, they were dialed in. So they knew this stuff, but they're not the only there's so many civilizations that had it before. And it becomes one of those things where that's the potentiality of what we can do, right? Yeah. Can we levitate? There's people that can, but they're not talked about. There's people in India, like I heard about a guy in India who who can stop trains. That's how it's just he can literally just stop a train. How does he do it? I have no idea, but he does it. There's people who can, you know, there's people who um uh I can go on and on with so many different types of things, but it's it's the the capabilities of what we can do. And understanding that the first thing we have to do is just, we have to tap within. Sometimes, like the reason I think why some times they use psychedelics too is because it gets past part of our brain called the generator and it, it expands our awareness outside of this realm. Mm-hmm. The whole part of the generator is to keep you here in this experience, in this human realm. Um, when you take something like uh, a, a specific type of psychedelic, it's going to kind of break that down a little, especially like an ayahuasca or something. That's going to blow all the doors down very quickly. Um, and you get access to this higher level state of information that can help you. I mean, spiritual practices, that's what they did back in Brazil in the, the South America. They would, they, you would, you would literally take ayahuasca 
Yeah. And you're going to go, you've never been in this jungle before, and you're going to have to survive through the jungle to get to the other side. And if you survived, thumbs up, you, you've, you tapped into a spiritual, you know, you're, you're, you're ascended because what the, it does is you're going to be put into a state of fear. Uh, well, the fear is that you're going to deal with it that shows up, but then you also have to depend and trust and learn how to trust and guide. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fascinating stuff, but every civilization that I've ever looked at and studied who was very well, you know, considered, um, um, shoot advanced in, in what at the time they've all in some way had that. And I think, again, they were more connected within. They were more yeah. connected with nature. We're not connected anymore. We live on the planet. We don't live with it. We don't ground ourselves. But like, I, like, I live partially in London and mainly in Mallorca. So I'm at the beach a lot. I put my feet in the sea and I, I love it. And it makes me feel so much wholer as a person than when I'm stuck in the city I mean, I grew up I, 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 like literally over the road from the River Thames. So I've always been around water, but that's not really the kind of beach that you want to <laughs> go on and put your feet in. It's very brown. But, you know, it's like we created trainers and rubber soles and concrete and tarmac to keep us away from the ground. If you think about um, electrics, there's always an earthing cable. And we're the same as human beings. Like we need earthing. So I like that that you've you said that you know we need to to get back to be at one and connect with nature because you know we are part of the earth. We are, and and like go hug a tree for a minute. It resets your nerve. It resets your whole energy field. You know, it's just amazing. And like the studies that have come out now and talking about how nature, or go walk in a forest. You know, especially if there's leaves out. Within 15 minutes, those terpenes hit your brain and you get a sense of relaxation. It just helps us. Like there's, there's nature has all the answers. And like I would say, nature is my church. I go out when I want to, I reset, I go to nature. Nature resets me. It resets my energy. It gets me back into a very nice grounded centered place. And Mm -hmm. then I feel like at that moment, um, but we've done, you know, as a civilization, and I think sometimes it's done on purpose, um, but we've, we've, we've been disconnected in so many ways. Like you said, we have shoes on now, right? We wear shoes that um, don't allow us to connect to the earth, the cement. We have all those different things. Um, We're in houses now. I call them little cages. You know, we're we're in these cages. Especially after the past three years, bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and, and look what, you know, I remember when lockdowns were coming, I was just sitting there, I'm going, this is going to be so, this is, I was, I remember I started educating my patients on mental health and how we need to move. You got to figure out ways on how to get moving. You know, don't, you know, don't stay in one stage too long because we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we forget we have a mammalian side to us. We're mammals and mammals need to move um, in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one of those things where, um, but getting out more, I mean, just, you can go, you can be on a treadmill in a gym, right? And you can run Yeah, you'll get benefits, but if you go run outside, the brain benefits like double to triple. Yeah. There's just something, you know, getting back out in the nature and connecting with nature. But I think the, the, the biggest point is connecting with self because that's where, um, the, the real full experience comes from. When I started journeying within again at 24 years old, um, it was amazing. Some of the stuff like the can, I think that's where I started to appreciate more and understand more who I am, but then also not only just who I am as a human being, but also get more into that soul level, because let's face it, a lot of times we get so caught up in the human experience mm-hmm. that we forget this. We, we're, we're here from us for our soul experience to, you know, we want our souls here to experience. And if we can get our mind to elevate up to that level, then we see things a little differently and the charges don't affect us as much. 
Yeah. It doesn't get to us as much. And we can see the beauty behind it and the bliss behind it. And this is why a soul will continually go through something like that, which a human would be like, this is freaking horrible. But the soul is like, this is absolutely amazing. And <laughs> how do you connect the two so that you can make sure you can see it from that level? So you're having the human experience, but yet it's kind of like a parent and child, right? A parent's going to see things totally different than what the child wants to see. But at the same token, it's like, you know, the parents kind of given that point, but you know, the child has to, you know, how do you make that, that connection between the two to have that good communication so you yeah. can see both sides of it. Is that why you called your podcast the mindful experiment? It's all about life at the end of the day. I didn't want to call it the life experiment because I was like, ah, that doesn't sound cool. And the mind experiment, people are going to think I'm doing mind studies and all this stuff. So mindful was something that came to me and experiment was always a word I liked because if you think about life, We've been in doctrine, and this is the school system that's been developed where it's all about you get you learn something and then you get tested. Yeah. And if you look at life, life doesn't work that way. It's the total opposite. You take the test and then you learn, right? I had a teacher, and he was my chemistry teacher and my organic chemistry teacher. And I already was already, I was already worried about taking organic chemistry because all I heard was horror stories. He taught that way. He would literally give us something and we have like this it was like a worksheet we had to work and we could work with a partner and he's like solve all these answers and i'm like i don't even know what the heck this stuff is right so he's testing us in a way but we can go and do the work to learn it so we go through and we answer it all and then he would teach the lesson i thought that was genius i didn't have to study for exams i got a's on everything i was blown away by that i was a professor for one semester in a summer and i was teaching physiology to nursing students i did the same thing I would hand out a thing and I say, here, I want you, you guys got 30 minutes. I want you to finish this as much as you can. Partner with someone if you like, work with threes. I really don't care. Yeah. You got 30 minutes. I want to make sure you guys have this done. If you're not doing the work, we'll, you know, I want to make sure I want to make sure you're not just sitting around chatting. And then I would I would teach the curriculum in 20 minutes. And um, so I did that. I had all A's and B's in my class. That's amazing. So I don't know if there's something to it. Don't know. I have no clue. I don't come from an edu educational background in teaching, but it was just something I learned. But that's how life is. So that's kind of one of the reasons where, you know, trying to share to the world um, how we can experiment life and all the different things that life entail. What's your next life experiment going to be? I'm working on creating a consciousness school, online consciousness school, where because a lot of things I do right now help with business owners and, and I do have books that help with the you know people in the public. Um, I have my podcast. I have a couple of mini courses, but I wanted to create something to help elevate the mind of human beings, to help them awaken in a sense. Um, I don't mean like the woke culture that people say. I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I mean, awaken to the truth of who they are. Yeah. Break out of the matrix, break out of the conditioning and restart defining life to what they choose and share the science. Cause that's the thing I'm big on. You can tell I'm, I'm very on one side spiritually, but then at the, as far as I am on the spiritual side, I am just as far on the science side to merge the two together. Yeah. And so I want to be able to show people though, that like, Hey, you can't call this stuff, spirituality, woo woo stuff anymore. It's not allowed. You can say it if you want, but it's not allowed. And the reason why I say that is because quantum physics has been proving this stuff now. The more science coming out about consciousness, the more science that we're that I'm really seeing, I'm like, yep, those people 7,000 years ago had it right. And I don't know yeah, how the heck yeah. they knew this stuff. Like, you know, but you know, you look at hermetic, hermetic principles and stuff like that. Still true to this day. Have Lao you, read, Tzu, you read that book? The, which one? The, 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 yeah. I have not, but I know a lot about it. I have to read it. I, ha I have to. Somebody else told me, it was like, didn't you read this book? I'm like, no, I haven't. They're like, how do you, you know must. this stuff? Now? 
I'm like, you, I just been exposed just to it. it. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, um, what was another one? Like Lao Tzu, one of my favorite books, Tao Te Ching, right? And if you really listen to the 81, read the 81 verses and really tap into the energy of that, it is 100% still solid advice for life now, 2,500 years, 2,500 years later. Wow. You know, so you got to, I always ask the question, how did they know? How did like, they know? They experimented. They experimented, right? They they tapped within. They get into this source. Like the stuff I teach now is no different than the stuff I taught 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. I just learned how to package it better. Yeah. But the the, the material, the information, the stuff I teach is all it's already out there. Like I, I tell people all the time. The way I like to do things is I'm not here to create something new. I'm not going to change. Yeah, I created something called the, the the billionaire success formula, but that's just more for a packaging of it, right? To make the package look nice and pretty. But the the information, the wisdom in there and all that, besides my experiences, it's already there. It already exists. It it's always has. I'm just picking the pieces together and saying, here, I'm going to put it in this package. And it's just like everyone else does in some way, shape or form. And it just gives it a nice formula for people to go through because you leave people to their own devices and they don't know what to do, do they? And picking up on <laughs> what you said about psychedelics and God and like within us, I always used to think that Jesus was a real man and he was either an incredible magician or everyone was on mushrooms and they didn't know it. <laughs> they hadn't figured it out. <laughs> But now we know which which mushrooms are going to cultivate to take that to the next level. He was a cool dude. I'll say that. You know, he was a cool dude. Um, one thing about my journey, because again, I was I was raised Roman Italian Catholic, so it was one of those things. 18, 19 years, I got a little bit into Christianity, and then I pulled away from religion. Well, I went into other religions then, like Hinduism and Buddhism, and you know, Taoism and stuff, and. I was wanting. I was. There was. I was hungry for some knowledge and, and truth, and and I just felt the the Catholicism and Christianity. There's a lot of good there, um, mm. and, and I always tell people just to clarify for listeners. I am not for one religion or the other. I always tell people choose whatever. If if you choose a religion and it makes you a better person, then stick with that religion. You know that, yeah. that's the, the essence of it. Um, but yeah, like you know the the way the Bible, you know that they construct on Jesus being this unbelievably holy man, and then I started reading texts. I found texts that showed how down to earth he was, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, hold up, so he wait a minute. But the Bible said he was. Everyone talks about the being this way, and then there's some other ones, and there's other gospels that weren't put into the Bible, and mm -hmm. I wanted to know like why wasn't that put in the Bible? I want to who's, who's choosing what here, and why do they get to choose? And so then I started reading those, and I'm like. He was a normal human being. Why yeah. can't we just be told that? But anyway, that's another discussion. Because that that wouldn't that wouldn't serve, would it? <laughs> but again, it? it's what it, what does that teach, right? Again, it's from what I understand. Because again, coming from such a hardcore, you know, Roman Italian Catholics, pretty. And that's not the hardest ones, but it's it's one of. And it's that you're. What do we teach? I'm not worthy, God. I'm not worthy unless right. Jesus is the one who can save me. You're teaching that you're not worthy of it. You're looking outside yourself mm -hmm. instead of looking within. But the thing is, with the teachings of Jesus, if you look at the New Testament, he said himself that ye, the kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is within you. Mm -hmm. And he said that we will do greater things than he would ever have done, which is a term of evolution of consciousness, right? We evolve and as we continue to evolve. And so, like, when you read these things, I'm like, it's right there, blatant statement that this is what we have. And I have one, somebody said, anytime he says within, like he says, the path of the way is within me, or it's, in, you know, my way, 
or something like that. Just change that word around to being you, the individual, yeah. and watch how the how what 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 the saying means. And you sit back and you do that experiment. And you know, I remember I was going through it on. I'm going. He's been saying it all along, right there. And I'm like, that the power is within us. I was like, does anybody else see this, or am I blind? Yeah. And um, and there was a book I read, um, The Yogi of Jesus by Pramahansa Yogananda, which I recommend every person to read, whether you're Christian or not. Just read it with an open mind. The, the things that that guy talks about in Jesus's teachings, I learned more there than 20 something years of Catholicism and Christianity. Yeah. Wow. Like the, the way he takes the teachings and how he breaks them down. Like it's just, it blew my mind. And I was just like, but it helps you elevate as a human being and an individual, at least it did for me. Yeah. And it's like one of my top three books, five books that I recommend because I'm like, this book is literally, if you're, if you're a Christian a Catholic, or you used to be, or you still are, I tell people the lessons and the things I learned out of that. He took the teachings out of it. Um, he'll get into some other stuff that may aggravate a Christian or Catholic, you know, talks about the three Kings and all this other stuff and what it shows in the Hindu scriptures and the parables there. That's a whole other discussion. Um, but it's, 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 it's again, one of those things where I don't know how we got on this topic, but yeah. <laughs> it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. It is all a part of us as humans and how we evolve and tap into our subconscious. So I think I could probably talk to you for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, if you could give people one tip on how to tap into their subconscious in order to be more confident, what would it be? So meditation is usually the, the thing I usually recommend. But here's the thing. If I recommend that, you're going to probably not like me because um, you're going to be very <laughs> frustrated trying to just be mentally focused. And it's not even sitting in in the quiet space for 10 minutes. That can be shaving, working out, things like that. But I'll share something else that's a little quicker. And it really allows you to deeply access in more. And that is breath work. There is a many of different forms that work. And they all work. They're not one's better than the other. Yeah. But there's one that I, if you want to start out, one of the popular ones that has been on fire the last three to five years is uh, Wim Hof method. You can go on YouTube. Yep. You can Google. There's one. I When I want to challenge the listeners, if you really want to do this, I challenge a lot of people to do this is look for one that is like 30 minutes long. Okay. It's, it's like 34 minutes in total. There's like a warm up and an ending. Um, I think it's like five or six rounds. Do that every single day for 30 days. Okay. I promise you. That at the end of those 30 days, you will think differently, feel differently, and handle stress way better. And I can, and if you think I'm crazy, I'll back up some neuroscience. There's a part of your midbrain, it's right behind your throat, called um, the breath pacemaker. They found out there's just a cluster of neurons. That's all it is. And they they're like, okay. And what they what they found out what it does is it literally is monitoring the respiratory rate, how much you're breathing, the pace that is. This is why when you get frustrated the emotion accelerates the breathing pattern. And so then the body knows you're mad because you're breathing at a certain rate. This is why breath, breath work works because when you slow down the breath or hyperoxygenate the body and stuff and so forth, it actually will slow, the breath pacemaker picks up and goes, oh, we need to slow down. Mm -hmm. So this is how we can have an influence on the autonomic nervous system. That part of the nervous system just runs on its own. And so when you start to do this practice and do this breath work practice, what ends up happening is, is like about two months in, three months in, you can get to a yogic state of mind like they, like yogis take 20 to 30 years to meditate. So this is how I know for sure you can do it, but you have to commit 30 days. 30 days. Do it for 30 days. And what I challenge people is before you do your first session, just write how you feel about life, where your thoughts are, 
what's your worries, your fears, and just, just write those out and then store that away and don't look at it anymore. And then you're going to go ahead and you're going to go back 30 days later. And I want you to write the same response to those questions and then compare the two. You're going to see how vastly different they are. I'm going to take up that challenge and I'm going to report back to you. <laughs> love do it. Please. I would love to hear it. Cause I've only had a few, I've had a, I've challenged people so many times on this and besides clients responding back to me, um, I rarely ever heard anyone says, man, doc, thank you for that. That was great. And I'm just like, I, I really get it. So I love to love to hear your, your, your response. Oh, when I say I'm going to do something, I've already decided that it's happening. <laughs> so, You're like me when it comes to that. I love it. Um, I was going to say something and oh, that was it with breath work. And I think, and we know that it works. It is really, really important. And I've always said that people who smoke, they don't always smoke because they need the cigarette. You know, they're stressed. Like they're stressed, oh, I need a cigarette. But it's actually the breathing that calms them down more than the actual cigarette. And I said, sold this to someone last summer. And he was like, he looked at me like, you're a bit crazy. But actually, it kind of makes sense. He went, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. And the next time I saw him, he said, I've not smoked since, um, since you said that. And I've, I've, whenever I've been stressed, I've done the breathing, breathe out breathe in, hold for four, breathe out. And he said, I've not, I've not smoked. So. It's, it's part of the, what, here's the thing. Like, again, going back to an advanced civilization, right? The stuff I'm sharing with like Wim Hof breathing, that's just, that's a form of pranayamas, which comes from the yogic world. Which, and how, how old is that again? I think it's a few thousand years old. Yeah. Two, three thousand, three thousand, two twenty, at least 2000 years old. Right. And yet now we're just coming around showing, oh my God, that actually is what that works. Like, so we're coming, we're like, it's like a child learning, you know, parents are telling you something all these, all this time. That's the ancient civilizations. And now as children's in the evolution of humanity, we're coming back to that point going, dang it. I think my parents were right. I think I need to go back that way <laughs> or just learn from them, not go backwards, but just learn from that and say they had something right there. They had, they were onto something. And I think exactly. that's why the evolution of like psychedelics now is getting popular, which I'm happy to see. I just hope it doesn't get abused because there, there is spiritual stuff to that and you want to make mm -hmm. sure you're doing it with the right intent. Um, but I also, breath work is coming out like crazy. Um, mindfulness, mindset stuff is coming out like crazy now. And I always, it's also, we need it, but it's, it's one of those things where it, we're returning back to this, to, to accelerate ourselves to a new level. And it's exciting to see how it's, it's, it's taking form. It's just, taking a little bit of time, but just like anything else, it just takes time, but it's, it's fun to see. Yeah. And things that take time and that are challenging are, are worth doing. So I've very much enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation too. <laughs> oh, I did. We went off on some tangents. I was like, wow, we went religious in this. I was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to go with it. The energy's there. So I'm going to go with it. No, I enjoyed <laughs> it. I love the questions and I love the flow. I, I really enjoyed the convo. Brilliant. Thank you. Where can people follow you and find you? I'm going to put everything in the show notes, of course. My website's my hub, empowerreality.com. I have, you can connect with me on social media. You can, I have my books on there, my podcast. If you're a business owner and, and you want to learn to elevate your life and work less and get out of the rat race and everything that's been taught in business, I do a free uh, clarity call where you fill out a form um, and then we get on a call. And, and if we're a good fit, uh, I'll talk about my coaching program and how they can help. Amazing. Thank you. Can we take a little picture with the thumbs up? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So thank you very much. I'm going to make sure people do follow you, find you um, and listen to your podcast and um, buy your books too. So amazing. I'm going to let you know in 30 days how I feel from, from doing that. I've said it, it's going to happen. 
I'm gonna put a note. I'm gonna put a note. Just I'm gonna make a note on my calendar. Thirty days. Natalie said she was going to respond. Let's see. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling. That's a double challenge. So you do know. Challenge. Oh well, I've said it publicly now, so it has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna thank you once again, and um, yeah. So thank you and goodbye. Take care. Thank you so much.